Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Make Mental Matter. My name is Tori, and for this episode, Kaylee will not be um, participating. She actually was very sick at the time of this recording, so it's just me and our guest, Stacy. Other than that, the audio might sound a little funky. I actually did not have my microphone at the time of this recording, so I had to do some editing and uh, just bear with it and hope you enjoy. Here we go. I have here Stacy Hoover, who, oh, no, new last name now. What is it? <laughs> Sankowski. Okay. And um, I was with Stacy at an orthopedic surgery rotation. Um, which was my second rotation. Stacy, can you just uh, explain who you are and specifically what you do? Yeah, so I'm an orthopedic surgery PA. Um, I've been there about seven and a half years. I work in a hospital setting. Um, we mostly do elective orthopedic surgeries, but we do do um, ortho trauma as well. Uh, and I work primarily inpatient um, and in the operating room. And did you always want to do orthopedics or were you kind of like on the fence? Yeah, I did. I actually, um, I did some uh, of my training before surgery, I mean, before PA school in um, PT and OT stuff. And I got to know a lot of the orthodox and I really enjoyed it. So I knew going into PA school that I wanted to do orthopedics. That is really neat about how you knew immediately what you wanted to do. I'll figure it out immediately, I'm sure. So my next question is, what made you say yes to doing an interview with me? So I just really think in healthcare, you know, mental illness and mental health is often overlooked. You know, I think it's it's an aspect of healthcare that is difficult. Um, it's difficult to treat. It's it's not something that you can offer a quick fix for. So I think it makes it uh, even more difficult in a scenario where patients are hospitalized because they're usually, you know, typically for orthopedics, not hospitalized very long. But at you know during those short windows that they are hospitalized, their mental illness doesn't just go away. Um, and we don't have, I don't, I don't think enough resources for those patients. And often the PAs, you know, us as PAs, we're the ones that are assessing, addressing their mental health and helping them through. Um, so I think it's really important for us to know how to listen to patients and, you know, let them, let us know, you know, when they're struggling. Right. So. And you being an orthopedic PA, I mean, not that you don't deal with it, but I'm sure it's not a common thing that you have to deal with. So what, how does mental health impact your specialty specifically? So I think it's actually more than you, than you would think. Um, you know, we have different, different types of patient populations. I think, you know, the patients that come in with, um, you know, a tibia fracture or, you know, some kind of fracture, there are patients that have drug addiction problems. There are patients that are homeless with schizophrenia, um, you know, that come in and those patients are very difficult to treat. 
Um, but you know, the, especially, you know, the drug addiction as well, that that's part of, you know, with the mental illness and dual diagnosis, um, it can be very difficult, especially since these patients are in pain. Um, and then the general population getting elective hip and knee surgeries and elective spine surgeries, you know, anxiety and depression is so prevalent, you know, and majority of them are on antidepressants and benzos and, you know, navigating the combination of benzos and, um, opioids because they're post-op, you know, that can be a challenge, um, managing their anxiety, you know, throughout that process. And then the elderly patients with hip fractures, you know, majority of them have depression. Um, and some of them have dementia as well and, and depression and dementia, you know, that can be really hard to treat. So, you know, I think it, it's more prevalent than we think. Um, but we don't always address it because the patients are in the hospital for such a short period of time. Uh, but sometimes, you know, it really does come into play and it prevents the patients from, you know, progressing well with therapy because they're, they're too depressed to even go and do, you know, the, the exercises and the things they need to do. And they need a lot of motivation. They need a lot of support. So. Right. And it's not just, it's very much a team effort with caring for these people who have these mental illnesses. I didn't even think about the PTs and the OTs and what they have to do also to get people motivated. Um, so since you're only in a hospital, is there something specifically that they have in place for, um, these types of populations? So we do have a psychiatrist on call for emergencies. Typically that's for patients who we deem as, um, a danger to themselves or others. Um, and you know, that's, that's, a it's a little difficult because, you know, if a patient's just depressed, it doesn't mean that they're suicidal. You know, it doesn't mean that they're homicidal um, and they still need help too. But unfortunately we really don't have a lot of support for patients that are suffering from anxiety, depression. You know, like I said, typically it falls on us as the PAs to support those patients and, and have time to sit with them and, and let them, you know, talk to us about their concerns and, you know, concerns about their post-operative care, you know, people that don't have family support, it can be really difficult. Um, we do have social workers and patient care coordinators that help us set up uh, home, you know, home care for patients. Um, you know, and sometimes, you know, we've had situations where we have patients that um, admit to their addiction and want help so they can send up, set up um, post, you know, uh, post-hospital care with treatment facilities for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I don't, I think what would be really helpful is if we had some kind of counseling in the hospital that would be available, um, to help with those patients who just say, you know, we can tell that they're depressed. We can tell that they're very anxious and they just need more support. Um, but for now it's, it's kind of us. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. Like how, how do you think your field could improve the current strategies that we're using on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, I know a lot of um, other hospitals are implementing um, certain screenings that you do, regardless of your specialty. Um, I don't know how you feel about other options. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we all screen to make sure patients are safe at home. We screen to make sure patients are, you know, that they're not suicidal at the moment or anything like that. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's good because it gives you, you know, some idea if a patient is, is in a real acute danger. Um, but, you know, you have a patient that, you know, the nurse tells you they're just crying in their room all day and they don't, they keep refusing therapy or a patient that is having panic attacks um, and really struggling, you know, postoperatively with the pain and, you know, concerns about going home and things like that. You know, I mean, sometimes there's an acute phase of, you know, postoperatively of this anxiety and depression, but some of these patients have been on antidepressants a long time. They have a known diagnosis of, you know, anxiety or depression. And those are the patients, you know, the kind of the acute anxiety and depression, I feel like is a little easier to treat, but the, you know, the sort of subacute, you know, the, the people that have anxiety and depression and bipolar disorder and all of these issues before they come in and then they're in an acute and, you know, phase where their anxiety is, is worse, their depression is worse, they're hospitalized, they're alone, you know, they're scared. Um, you know, that can be difficult because, you know, that it, it can be hard to find the right things to say, um, the right things to do. So that's where I think, you know, having a, maybe like a counselor on call or somebody that has, you know, has those techniques to, to really help talk the patients down, um, would be helpful, but, for now, you know, like I said, as PAs, you know, we did train to help with that and somewhat. And I mean, we trained to, to talk to patients about their mental health. And so, you know, we tend to sit with them, you know, sit by their bedside, make eye contact, listen to them. Um, and sometimes that's all they need. Sometimes, you know, they need a little more, but. <laughs> I, I definitely think now that restrictions are a little lighter since COVID, um, People are more at ease, but definitely when those visiting hours are over, they probably go in a little bit of a panic mode. <laughs> After, yeah. if, especially if they're in pain, it depends on the patient as well. Mm -hmm. um, you've probably seen that firsthand with certain people who aren't handling um, post-op as I bet a majority of people should. Right. And some people just have no family support. You know, they have, they, they need these surgeries because they're in pain. Oftentimes around the holidays, they schedule these surgeries so that they're in the hospital for the holidays because otherwise they'd be alone. Um, and so we are their family during that time. And it, and it is sad, you know, you do see, um, more of that around that time. And, um, you know, and we just have to, you know, take the time out of our day if we have free time and go in and talk to them and try to support them through this because, you know, sometimes we as healthcare providers are the only support that a patient may have. So that's a, that's a part of our job as well is to treat the whole patient, you know, their their mind and their body together. Yes. I I love that. That's like a good way to think about all of this. I always have been saying that PAs, we have it not necessarily easy, but we have a easier time talking to patients because our job allows us to do that. And right. our, our profession is so unique in that because not every doctor is going to take the time, sit on your bed, hold your hand, or even just share some empathy with you. We, yeah. we can do that. And I, I really love that. It goes a long, way. goes a long way, I think. Yeah, for sure. So 
Um, I wish Kaylee would have been here. Um, she definitely would have thought of way more questions than I would have. <laughs> but um, Stacy, I appreciate you um, taking the time to talk with me about such a important topic. I know it's important for you as well. So I'm glad we could discuss some things that hopefully I see change, especially with counseling in more of a hospital setting. Um, that's kind of crazy that it's not readily available as we think, but hopefully my project will allow some systems to maybe listen to it and then hopefully expand upon they're already in um, their regulations and their policies or maybe change them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really important project that you're doing. And I think that, you know, we just, you know, we as healthcare providers really need to focus on, you know, what we can do to help support patients throughout the most difficult times of their lives. And I think sometimes we get complacent because we're busy and, and, you know, we're stressed and often understaffed and, you know, it's, it's long, sometimes long days. And so it's easy to forget that for these patients, you know, this is one of the hardest things they've ever gone through. You know, some of them, it is the hardest thing they've ever gone through, you know? And so it's, we have to try to take a step back and put ourselves, you know, our empathy shoes on and really, really put ourselves in those patients' shoes and um, take the time to listen and support them. And that's great advice for future PAs and those who are currently struggling with their current situation. So Stacy, again, I want to thank you so much for coming on our show today. I hope we can bring more of a light into this topic. You know, it affects every specialty, not just psych or family medicine. Uh, we need better practices, and you definitely gave some good insight into what you are doing into your own practice, and hopefully this will bring some uh, ideas to someone else. No problem. Welcome. <laughs> All right, and that concludes episode three of Make Mental Matter. Tune in for next episode. I will be talking with Dr. Stephen Black, who is a pediatrician. I was able to work with. He goes into depth about how childhood mental health is becoming more alarming now and what studies he uses to improve his practice. So stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you again to all of our listeners who are supporting us and see you next time. Bye!